Jess Mayhew, and I'm joined by the awesome Aaron Joseph and Ezra Allen. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having us. You're welcome. So Aaron has been on the podcast before. You were on one of my early episodes with Lion Rum. We actually road tripped to the Eastern Shore together, so that was a fun day. <laughs> but this is different. We're on Zoom, and we're, we're talking about Kane Collective, which is your company that you own together. And it's just, it's so cool because we we talked all those years ago, and, and now we're talking about your, your business. So it's funny how things change. It's amazing what a year can do. Yeah, it's so true. So true. So I know we got a little bit of your background on that podcast, but if you and Ezra just want to talk about kind of how you got into bartending in the first place and and that path, and I know it's a, a kind of a long and winding one for both of you, but just in general, what got you interested and, and sort of your foot in the door of the industry? Yeah, that'd be great, actually. Aaron, do you want to go first? No, sir. I think that is your turn to go first. On this. All right. So, you know, it's interesting, I was kind of reflecting on my life and thinking about how long I've been in hospitality in and out of hospitality. And it's been the majority of my uh, professional career. And I uh, first got in because I was tired of working at The Gap. And I took a class uh, from USA Best Waiters, a guy named Ian Maxick. And uh, yeah, I made double the money that I made. Uh, so I stopped working at The Gap in New York City and I worked all the way in, uh, in Jersey um, for twice the money. And uh, that's how I got in um, to, so with banquet, uh, banquet waiting. And then I was like, I wanted more money from there. And I was like, well, be a bartender. <laughs> so I, uh, a million years ago, I went to uh, USA Bartending Academy and I actually uh, took a class. I was like, I'm gonna be a bartender. And then when I got behind the bar, I found out that uh, things weren't the way that I thought they were gonna be. Not quite as easy. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as easy. And uh, you know, it's um, I've been in out the service industry ever since. Yeah, it was kind of I guess my first love and first experience, and here I am. How old were you when you took that bartending class? I wasn't 21 yet, because in New York, you didn't oh have gosh. to be 21 to be a bartender, but who's going to hire you to be a bartender if you're under 21? So I took that class at 19. Wow, you were a baby. I was a baby. That's amazing. I, and I also did not know you worked at Gap. You'll have to tell me how to best fold my t-shirts I was a khaki and denim expert. Thank you very much. Oh, denim and khaki. That makes so much sense now. I'm going to come to you with all my denim questions from now on. No, no. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> You're like, not, no, not, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. De oh. Ezra secretly judges my jean apparel all the time. I so don't. I don't at all. I yeah. don't at all. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he says. Mm -hmm. And Aaron, I know you, you've been in it for a long time as well. Do you want to just like quickly kind of recap how you've got here as well? Yeah, no problem. Uh, I started off very young as well. Um, I started off pretty much at 1920, um, serving at the Inner Perry cabin. And it was a summer job when I first took it on. And then I loved the interactions of people, loved the interactions of fine dining and the art of fine dining. But somehow, some way, I always managed to find myself at the bar hmm. or just interested in mixing and making cocktails. So I was the 20-year-old bar fly that 
all my spare time was hanging out at the back of the bar just watching the bartenders. And it was two older gentlemen there uh, manning the bar um, that kind of just took me under their wing. Um, and they essentially, they were like, we need a third person because we want to take vacations and go golfing and we somebody <laughs> to cover the bar. So ultimately I became the substitute. And from there, um, I fell in love with not only spirits and mixing, but just the interaction with people. Um, lo and behold, people don't know this, that you get treated better as a bartender than you do as a server. So I kind of enjoyed that interaction as well. Aaron, I don't know if I've ever asked you, have you, um, were you there when they filmed Wedding Crashers at Inn at Mary Cabin? I was there. You were there. I don't think I ever I asked there. you about that. Yes, that was uh, my third summer at Perry Cabin, and that was um, that was a wonderful opportunity as well. I mean, just to be able to interact with all of those high-profile individuals and tons and tons of personalities. Um, yeah, I bet there's some interesting <laughs> stories that you probably can't oh, tell, but I, yeah, I was born in secrecy on some of that. But no, it was just <laughs> great. Um, it was great to be in that aspect, and then you know, I always will have an affinity for that movie just to know that you know you you were there when they filmed a lot of those scenes. And you also kind of gain an appreciation for the movie industry to understand how long they were there. And like, they were there for three and a half months. And I think maybe there's like five- How little they used it. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, that's hysterical. Um, So when did you guys meet? And were you like friends right away? Or how did that process go? Really funny question. (laughs) (laughs) So, we met through a gentleman that I worked with when I was at Agio, a guy named Dane Nakamura. And Dane, I, I was putting on an event. Uh, it was rum basin focused. And uh, he was like, you know what? You should talk to my boy Aaron. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah. He was like, he works at Wit and Wisdom. I'm like, all right. I was like, just go down there. He's like, yeah, just go down there. I'm going to text him, just go down there. <laughs> so I literally just went on down there. And I was like, hey, is Aaron there? And we talked for a moment or two. And we did an event. Um, it was a good event. It was a unique event. It was with our other partner, CJ. And we put on this uh, kind of a uh, Taste of the Caribbean end of summer uh, event. And we uh, picked a charity. And it was, it was awesome. And he said, yeah, we should do this again. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, we should do this again. So I uh, then followed up with Aaron. I was like, hey, man, had a good time. Uh, we should do more events. I'd like to pivot out of uh, the track that I'm in. And at that time, I wanted to be a sommelier. So I was on track, I was working in fine dining, I was in front of the house, I was a captain, um, I thought I was gonna be a service director, and I was like, you know, I kinda like to get back to bartending. Um, and I was like, you know, maybe I should talk to this guy, Aaron, because Aaron, you know, is a craft bartender. And it's funny because I left the industry for a number of years, and when I left the industry, everything was in a Art Deco V-shaped martini glass, and when I came back, it was a whole new world. So I was like, who can be my guide to this whole new world? Like, maybe it's Aaron. Yeah. So over the next couple months, I kind of consistently like pinged him. And I was like, hey, man, you know, if you just want to like, you know, if you just want to double yourself, you know, and you just want to, you know, make more time to yourself, make more time for yourself to do what you want to do. Hey, man, I'll take, a, I'll take all the low-lying, all the low-hanging fruit. I'll do, uh, I'll do all the other grunt work. And then um, I can uh, model, after, I can model you. I can learn your patterns. I can understand a couple of things. And it would, uh, 
change my, uh, it would uh, short my learning curve for this specific area in, uh, in beverage, in food and beverage. Because I, you know, again, my, most of my life, I've been a hospitality professional on and off. And understood the, understood flavor, understood wine, liked cocktails, but just what went into them and how to do them on mass and scale. Right. I just didn't, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't have a uh, very firm handle on that. Because, you know, when you're making, it's like having a dinner party, you're doing it for two, it's one thing. And then you're all of a sudden hosting Thanksgiving and you make it up for 20 and it's like, ah, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a different experience. Um, and then you multiply that again, you're doing it for 40, you know, or you're doing it for 200 or 400. There's a difference. So that's kind of how we, uh, that's kind of, yeah. that's kind of how we met. That must've been so flattering to have someone come to you and say, I want to shadow you essentially and, and learn from you. That's gotta be such a cool feeling. It was, it was incredibly humbling, shocking. Um, and like, you know, I was taken back from it initially to have somebody just show up at your bar on a consistent basis and just kind of like pick your brain was refreshing. Um, because at the time, you know, wit was just such a volume account and volume bar that like many times that our downtime was spent reorganizing or readjusting to get ready for the next wave of volume. So it was just great to have Ezra just come in and he was very, very, appropriate about the times he came in he came in like right after lunch right before the happy hour shift it was like you know he just sat down and he pulled out a notepad and just kind of like just asked questions and you know yeah. it actually made me a better person in the hospitality industry because all of a sudden now you have somebody that's hanging on every word that you're saying so you don't want to mislead them with false information right. so i literally would, he would ask me, and he asked all the difficult questions, right? And it was a lot of times I would, I would the, the answer I would give him was, I'm really not sure, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> or, you know, instead of, you know, just, just basically just giving false information or half, half truths, because this is an influential person that's relying on you as a resource. And so their output is going to be directly reflective of your input. And yeah. so it kind of made me look at myself in the mirror and actually look at myself in a different light. Right. So it took me to that level mentally that, okay, now I have, I, I have, I'm a person of influence because people actually care what I think or say. And so therefore it made me actually read books more and made me delve into knowledge more and made me go into spirits more. It just made me solidify my education because here is somebody that is literally relying on you as a reference. So giving them false information is completely irresponsible. So I thank Ezra for making me a better professional just by the inquiry initially that he had. Yeah, it's amazing. I've had my, my bouts with teaching and it's amazing what your students teach you. And like, totally like what you said, like, You'll, you'll get a question and you'll be stumped and you're like, I should know that. And so then you do your <laughs> own research and, you know, they, they lift you up to a certain level. And I totally agree. Um, I am curious too, you guys are being so nice to each other and it's, it's lovely and it's beautiful, but I also want to hear about like, what sort of, what do you think you guys balance out in each other? Like what's sort of the yin yang, because in any good business partnership, there's gotta be, you know, you're balancing out maybe what someone's lacking with what you have? Like, what do you guys think works? I'll, I'll leave with that. So it's, 
when thinking about this, right, and kind of thinking about the last topic that we talked about, it's important to be, the relationship, there's, it's a relationship there, right, whether it's a mentor, mentor, mentee, teacher, student, um, partner, um, they're all relationships. So being good and thinking about uh, the relationship matters. So when Aaron and I had more of a, hey, how do you do this? You know, I try to make sure I respected his time because we were all busy. I mean, I was busy at the time. He was busy at the time. So I didn't really ask him questions that he could Google, like a Google, you know? So I try to think about how I was utilizing the resource. And then I was also trying to make sure that I gave something back to the relationship too. So if there are things that he needed help on um, or help with, I can help problem solve through and work on and assist in that. So it's always been about giving and take. And I guess that is like the fundamental underpinning, I think, of any relationship. Um, and I think it's so important when you're in business with someone to really think about the boat that you're both in, because you're both in a boat. And if you're a small business or a, or a micro business or a micro enterprise, it's really a dinghy. You know, it's not, you're in a little canoe, um, you feel every wave, uh, every tension, uh, every movement. So thinking about that and making sure that there's a good balance and a give and take um, is really important. So while we're both deferential and flattering to each other, you know, some that we both work at, and there's, we're not the same person. So there is 80% that we overlap, 85, I don't know, we overlap a lot. Um, and we both can do multiple things that the other can do. We try to defer to each other in different strengths, timing sometimes, bandwidth's another thing, patience another thing. There'll be some weeks where while we're both customer facing and we're good at that, it'll be, you know, like, you know what? I have a little bit more um, emotional space. You know, I'll take all the uh, the front end con and interaction conversations and I'll focus more on production and vice versa. So oh, that's so interesting. I, I love that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's so interesting to talk about emotional space because I mean, with what you guys do with bartending, I mean, you are, whether you like it or not, when you're at work, you are absorbing so many emotions and, you know, from your customers, not even talking about what's going on inside you. That's a whole nother thing. But when you're dealing with customers and, I, you know, that's something I think about a lot. There's a, there's a big burden on bartenders and, and small business owners like you guys that take that on. So it's nice to have a partner when you're saying, Hey, this week, it's just not in me. And, and, you, and your other person can, can take that burden off of you. That's, that's really nice. You got to acknowledge, and it's great to have that communication. I mean, we joke around, but we probably talk around, I don't know, Ezra, like five or six times a day. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's really it's a lot. lot. Like, and it's not like it's long emotional or just long get to know you conversations. It's it's either short, quick, there's something about business, but then also it's like we use each other as a sounding board just for just therapy, therapeutic reasons as well. So like Ezra would be distraught or, you know, have a feeling about a certain situation. And it's like and I'll I thought he was okay. And then all of a sudden it's a it's a nice long conversation full of emotions. Uh, for a good like hour and a half, sometimes it lingers for a couple of days, but you know, we work through it and he does the same for me, you know? Um, I always try to hold myself as like somebody that's really well put together and very kind of flatline emotionally, but hanging with him, I've become a lot more dynamic because it's just, you, you need that 
space and uh, you need that outlet. And so it's a trust factor that's established with this uh, business partnership as well. So I've got to say, you know, it was um, initially what started out as a mentor mentor uh, situation and relationship has now developed to a friendship, a business relationship, and just actually an accountability partner as well. So this partnership has and continues to grow every day. Um, and I think Ezra kind of hit it on the head. We do share about 80, 85%. We are incredibly similar in a lot of things, a lot of things. On that Venn diagram, that middle section. Right, it is huge. Pretty yeah. big. <laughs> it is huge. And then I think, you know, the number one thing we always kind of like make sure we do is one, present ourselves in the best possible light. Um, and two, make sure that the people around us are treated exceptionally well. Yeah, no, I've, I've, can attest to that firsthand you both you both are very good at that and you're both very nice to each other it's so funny I've interviewed business partners before and be like well he's impatient or she's controlling and you guys are so I, I love it the energy is so so well you know just that's a conscious decision as well too right it's you know we talked about that we talked about being aware and being a good partner but what's also there and we didn't meant is like also not dumping and not man and managing your words and your energy and understanding how you affect more than yourself so again if we're in a dinghy in this you know in this you know this this current that we're currently in and we're trying to go upstream there's not a lot of space for us to to indulge in like a man you know xyz or aaron could be can have other areas of complaints. So we really try to be proactive and um, result-oriented and uh, have empathy. You know, one of the things that we kind of both have a belief in and we have a similar outlook in is our hospitality. And I think of, and I use kind of the, uh, the concept of an innkeeper. It's late at night, you traveled. Don't you want to arrive at somewhere that's warm, the light's on, but there's a meal uh, that's gracious, that you feel safe. and a lot while that's all a customer facing and stuff you now we kind of practice a little bit of that internally uh, at home too so all of that stuff is there so you know we're not a we're not always happy <laughs> <laughs> oh of course not we're not always no, smiling not. Not, not, uh, no. at all no but well, that 15 percent is a strong 15 percent indifference <laughs> but what we try to always do is uh be respectful and mindful right uh, and exactly. uh, do that with intention. Yep. Um, and that means sometimes saying nothing or saying less mm. and knowing when I was like, you know, maybe we should table this for another time and another conversation. Right. Yeah. No, that's huge. Yeah. And like, as of recently, I mean, I want to say when we first started this Kane uh, Collective Initiative, um, you know, we were juggling a ton of things between both of us independently. And then when we jumped into this vision of Kane Collective, we kind of like, took it to a different level and it was another thing we had to manage both equally as a full-time venture. Well, let's talk about the origins of Kane Collective. Just for people out there that don't know, it's these beautifully packaged, bright colored mixers. And we'll get into where you can find them and the details about all the flavors down the line. But I'm, I'm curious, how did you guys first come up with this idea? I know it was something that was cooking for a while. So Kane Collective is, it was, it was conceived as a couple guys that loved rum. And we wanted more people to experience that. We thought that folks had 
the wrong and our narrow impression of rum. Oh yeah. Uh, and so and we still do. <laughs> and still do. So it started off as an experiential marketing firm that was, you know, we're trying to preach the gospel of rum uh, and the culture around it. So from that, we did promo work, uh, we did bar work, and then we did like a lot of high-end stakeholder events. And that was kind of like what our niche was, and we did. And it's funny, while we started with rum, and we all loved rum and wanted to talk about rum, you know, um, rum didn't love us back as much as we wanted them Not to. Not at all. To. Not at all. And, uh, but we got all the love from agave, and mm. we got all the love from brandy, and we got a ton of love from vodka. And it love. was like, well, gosh, like, you know, <laughs> ding dang, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, can we get, you know, I mean, the name speaks to, you know, what we wanted to do. So that's like always, that was always a core and always a passion. And then we did a couple of different things. So we did all both did independently and together. We did consulting work. Uh, we did the exper experiential marketing work that we talked about. And then folks used to always ask us for products. And it's like, hey, hmm. that cocktail we had that one time that you made that looked like this. Do you remember it? I was like, um, maybe. Like, you know, I make a ago. lot of drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they wanted the product. So we would do it for family and friends. Um, I know during the holidays, I would make Coquito. Aaron would make Sorrel. Uh, and then we would just do cocktails for family and friends. And when this whole COVID-19 crisis kind of came about, we said, you know what? Let's just bottle these cocktails and we'll do it as we'll give a chunk of the proceeds to some of our friends and family members that were in the industry. Uh, and we did, it as a, we did it as something, you know, to kind of help some folks out. Yeah. So we were literally taking a big chunk out of everything that we sold and we're throwing it back to like out-of-work bartenders. Right. Uh, and we did one run, we sold out. We did another run, we sold out. We did a third one and we doubled the, the second run and we sold out of that. And I'm like, huh, interesting. And eight, 10 runs later, here we are. Yeah. So can I just quickly say, I think it's brilliant. I think I think you guys had a meandering path to get here. And when you said rum didn't love you back, I'm assuming you meant sort of the market didn't embrace it how yeah, you wanted, for right? Sure. Like, yeah, like for, for, for brands. So a lot of what we do is brand work. Right. So we one thing that we're really good at do is like telling a story, putting lips, um, what they call in the business, uh, liquid to lips, right. um, and having people experience the expression as it was intended by, uh, you know, by the artisans and the craft right. folks. And the cocktails were just vehicles for that. But really, the juice, the liquid, the spirit uh, is kind of what drove that. And we did a really, I think we do more than an okay job at um, really highlighting yeah. the spirit and, and helping those brands tell that story. Right. And getting people excited about that. So it's something that they think about, they have a positive experience with, and they want to experience again and again. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's something that we do really well, intuitively. And... Um, you know, I mean, we love cocktails. I mean, and that was it. And what and what I think is brilliant, just specifically, is that you're making these mixers that people can then go put whatever they want in. Of course, you're suggesting it. All the suggestions are right on the bottle. Um, I love that the suggestions are broad. <laughs> I think that's awesome. <laughs> I was reading off the list earlier, Danny. I was like, oh, so you can put anything in this. Um, but but what the reason that's brilliant is that you're they're customizable, and of course, at this moment in time, there's so many there's so much at home bartending going on. Right. And so you're you're giving people this huge leg up by by presenting these beautiful flavors, but you're letting them kind of bring it you know into the end zone, so to speak. So. I think it's just from a business standpoint, I just think it's so smart. And I just wanted to make sure I said that. Thank um, you. Thank you. Very right thank now, you. I'm, I'm drinking a Southside. 
It's with Shot Tower Gin, your Southside mix. It's so good. Thank I've you. had many Southsides in my time, <laughs> and it's it's just really good. And it you know you it has the the flavors to back it up. So I, Aaron, I wanted to ask you, and, and Ezra, Ezra also, but how do you? And we'll get into sort of specific flavors later. But how did you decide? Okay, this is going to be our portfolio, and and how did you? What was that R and D sort of like for the two of you to figure out what flavors, what combinations? How'd that work? So I, Ezra and Ezra, Ezra and I, we both uh, talked about you know confirming that this is something we should just go ahead and try um, since we had the capacity finally to do it and without interruption. So we should just come to a, like what flavors and what uh, cocktails should we come up with or what mixes, what should we come up with? And we actually went back into like our our event Rolodex and mm. we kind of looked at like, you know, what got the best receptions from um, a bigger audience and also what was seasonal, what was easily to replicate uh, on a large scale basis, and then what people would like to drink without being overly controlling or even overly com complicating things. So we thought about, you know, mixes that we, or cocktails we came up with that were really easy to execute on our end as far as like producing, but then also drink very dynamic by themselves. And so we had a couple of them and we threw them to, at the wall and we were like, you remember this one? Yeah, people love this, but how do we reproduce it in this aspect? Or remember this one? And yeah, it was good, but some people didn't like it or some people thought we needed to do this. And so we thought about like all of those aspects of it and it kind of came up with like three solid, um, easy to approachable mixes that basically could diversify themselves to anything or multiple spirits and still have that same result. And we came out with our three core flavors, which are our Tropical Orchard, our Southside, and our Guava Tiki Punch. And I think we thought like, okay, we have a fun, fruity, kind of like interesting mix that you know a lot of people that love tropical fruits can get behind. The Tropical Orchard was something fun and interesting. And like Ezra said, we wanted to do something that not only kind of was fun for us to make and present it well in a bottle, but also a way to kind of give back to the community with these mixers. And we have a, I, we have a great relationship with White Tea Company. And I remember this making this cocktail at our house. And the tea is so unique. And we love to support local whenever we can. And so it just made sense for us to just kind of incorporate that uh, recipe into our, our mixer. And then we had to- Which one is that? The, the tropical, tropical orchard. orchard. Yeah. And can I just read the liquor that goes with that one real quick? Because it's hilarious to me. Okay. Suggested mix. Bourbon, rye, tequila, mezcal, brandy, vodka, champagne. So basically, whatever you like to drink can go with the But it's an order. Drink. It's in a sequence. No, right. I, it's- so it's the, the, I assume the first one is the most preferable, right? That's what we think. Yeah, that's what I figured. So I put, okay, we'll get into that when we kind of right. talk a little bit more about it. But I love that. And then, it's so versatile. And then, of course, we, we thought about it and we were like, it's getting ready to be springtime. What do people in Baltimore like to drink? And we were like, you know, we have to do a Southside. Like, have yeah. to do a Southside. And, 
but we wanted to do a Southside, not a traditional Southside, because I feel like there's a lot of great Southside mixes out there. And um, a lot of people know what the Southside is, but we wanted to kind of throw our own little bit of twist into a classic um, mix. So we added a little bit of fresh ginger into it to just kind of give it a little bit of a spice and interesting note, as well as present very light and refreshing as well. Our Southside doesn't drink as pungent as I want to say most Southsides do. It's actually kind of a smoother, lighter mix, but it still doesn't lack in any flavor as well. And again, we just wanted to have fun with it, but also wanted something that presented really well in a mix application that diversified itself to a number and number of spirits and concepts. Another reason we came out with this is because honestly, Ezra consumes alcohol and I've been sober for nine and a half years. And so I wanted something that could not only pair well with alcohol, but also could be drank alone or mixed in non-alcoholic versions of cocktails or mocktails or zero proof beverages. We'll just call it non-alcoholic beverages that were still interesting, that still presented dynamically, but didn't lose anything by adding the non-alcoholic, like then trusting that it was just as good with with alcohol is without alcohol. So it gave us a bigger platform to kind of live in, a bigger space to live in, because we, I, we know a number of people that don't consume alcohol anymore, but yet they can still partake in this product just as easily and just as, and just have just as good of a time with it as to people that enjoy alcohol with their, with their mixers. That's a, that's a great point too, because I, you don't know what people are going through. Right. You know, you don't know who's, who's sober or who's sick or who's pregnant or, you know, who just wants to take the night off from drinking and there should be no judgment there. So it, it's great to have something that presents as a cocktail mm-hmm. and uh, drinks like a cocktail and you can still have that same awesome experience with or without the alcohol. Right. Um, that's so, that's so cool. And, and I think too, what'll be interesting to see what happens with quarantine is, you know, so many people are spending more time at home than they ever have. And, so it's what's you guys are so uniquely positioned because these are products meant to be enjoyed at home and and I just was sort of curious to ask you guys what you think of the future is obviously we all hope that bars come back and we all hope that our all of our bartender friends continue to work and and get money but but do you think that there is going to be a little bit you know there's going to be restrictions for a little while I, I just don't think people are going to go all back out all at once and there's going to be this kind of slow gradual movement. So what do you sort of see as the future of at-home cocktailing? And do you guys sort of see your product in that future? Apparently you have not seen Fell's Point or Patterson <laughs> on a Saturday night. Uh, I, actually, I actually have, but they're all fools. So. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, uh, go ahead, Estra. That's funny. Uh, it's true. Um, I'm not going to say anything else on that topic. Yeah, exactly. uh, we want to meet people where they are. So while we've created this so you know, people can be their own bartender and they can have that elegant experience at home, uh, elegant, easy experience at home, because you got home, do you really want to spend 10 minutes making a syrup and three minutes juicing this? Do you want to get your beakers out and your measuring? Out? I mean, no, you just want something easy, right? Like I'm pouring two fingers of whatever your favorite spirit, you know, on the rocks, Neat, uh, and I'm gonna pour 
four fingers of a mix, uh, and I'm gonna stir it with a knife. And uh, <laughs> or, I'm finger, gonna, or finger, or finger, <laughs> whatever you, you got. Know, I'm gonna kick my shoes off, and I'm gonna enjoy my night. I'm not gonna think too much. Right. I mean, we wanted to be effortless. So, you know, whether you're having it at home, uh, you're taking it to a friend's house, you're taking it on a picnic, or you know, we work with uh, your local establishment. You know, we're just trying to be flexible and we're just trying to help folks have a good time yeah. and decompress. I mean, and that's it. It's really, it's literally that simple. Right. Yeah. And is the idea and the hope that you guys will be um, at, behind bars as well for, for bartenders to use in their cocktails or? I mean, you know, we miss people, honestly. I, I, <laughs> I, think, I think it's more prevalent every day that we miss interactions. We miss seeing friends. We miss being able to hug familiar faces, high fives, you know, just... Direct interaction is something that I think we both really, really thrive on. And it's very important to our being as um, social and very, very um, hospitality driven individuals. So that being said, I can't wait to for our very first event. Like, I just can't. But that being said, I think the trend right now until there's a foreseeable definitive future, aka a vaccine or something that doesn't cause any kind of concern for exposure to um, just people in general, general populations. I think everybody has to, you know, think about that there's got to be some type of caution when going anywhere. And no matter how antsy or how restrictive the guidelines seem to be, it's just, it's inevitably, it's actual reality in this fact. So I think where the trend is going to go until we can find a definitive answer to uh, this pandemic is, yeah, there's going to be moderations at everything. But I think, you know, having an elevated, enclosed, safe environment is truly, truly going to be beneficial. And that doesn't mean you have to limit yourself to whatever you cook or like you have to, you wish that you had a better experience. And so I think where we came out and kind of set our, our sights at is how do we create an at-home experience that's parallel to something that you would experience going out in a social setting? No, we know we can't emulate the, the actual like social aspect of it, but at least the qualitative aspect of it can be there to the point where you necessarily don't feel like you're missing out by not going out every night. So you can yeah. still have an elevated experience. And I think that's where uh, the trend is going to go is you're going to have people that are adamant about going out, but you're also going to have people that they can't go out because of immune deficiencies and concerns and health reasons. But why should they have to sit inside? It's pretty much like the kid playing, like sitting inside while all the kids are at recess having fun. You know, they're just kind of like on the inside looking out. and I think finding a way to elevate simple experiences is going to be the trend moving forward until we can, you know, get this pandemic under wraps and actually yeah. see a foreseeable future. So I think the takeout aspect of a business is, is going to be crucial to the survival of not only are the bar industry and restaurant industry, but actually society, because, you know, you're, you're, you're going to want to, experience a little bit of that hospitality a little bit of that like social socialization but you necessarily don't want to do it with thousands of people around you yet you can still have a great experience in a, a smaller setting yeah 
No. And it's, you're going to, I think we're all going to start appreciating the, the little things now that, you know, so much has been restricted. And I certainly count this amongst the, th the things that I'm appreciating these days, um, having this experience at home. And besides the pandemic, as if 2020 couldn't get even more intense, um, all of these worldwide protests against police brutality have just reignited the Black Lives Matter movement. And I can't even imagine you guys dealing with that emotion on top of what you've already been dealing with for COVID. And I just was curious as a black owned business, I mean, is that important for you guys to have your customers see who you are and see where you come from and see what you stand for? And, and how does that play into everything else you have going on with, with Kane? Ooh, I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a really honest response that Aaron just gave, right? Like a, uh, like a breath, like a sigh, it's a lot. The short answer is yes, but I think it's really important that we survive. I think it's important that our business moves forward. Being black owned is just what it is, what we are. You know, it's not, it's not a, a, a choice of statement. You know, we just happen to be a black exactly. owned business putting out a product and uh, hoping to, to deliver a good service and a good value to repeat, you know, get. We certainly have, I think, an ethos, Aaron and I, about our business and our practices and how we navigate. But yeah, it's just, we're focused on being a business and moving forward. Uh, yeah. and, and to add to that, I mean, Ezra hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, for us, it's, as a business that's 10 weeks old, we don't know exactly our influence on the market yet. I mean, you know, we're still trying to figure out, do people actually like it and do we have a product that's sustainable? And after this all goes away, do we disappear as well? But I think, you know, when we, you look back and you actually have to take a breath and realize like what is going on around you, it does affect you, right? It like either inadvertently or, directly or indirectly, it does affect you. So look at what has been going on and what we're going through as a society is, um, it's, it's truly an awakening. Um, that being said, I feel like we have to do our due diligence to remain consistent, not only to what we are as a company, but also to who we are as individuals. And we identify, then we know, you know, that we are minorities operating in a, in a space that's not always occupied by minority faces. Is that altering or is that traumatic or is that gonna be deviating for us? I don't think so because we've survived and we've thrived in so many different settings. But also as a personal aspect between Ezra and I, we are committed to supporting those that have supported us. And right. so our community isn't uh, one demographic. We realize that. And we know that our community has a voice, but our community is kind of who we are. And so as our community is affected by social change, we are affected by social change. Yeah, I hear you. And and you must be grateful to have each other. And, you know, like you were saying in the beginning, to give each other moments of space during those tough weeks. And when the, the dinghy gets rocked by waves, like you were talking about, and, and, and surely it is, it must be nice to have each other to, right. to lean on, I can imagine. Right. Um, and then also it's motivation, you know? Um, you know, I look at Ezra every day and I see this man that has sacrificed so much to be where we are right now. And that's inspiration and motivation to continue to put our best foot forward. 
because there's been many of times where I've kind of wanted to just take a, a 50% decrease in labor or 50% in effort and he holds me accountable. And so that being said, if he allows me to be less of a professional and less of a person, then that allows us to be less of a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we look at the people that have supported us so much uh, so far that we can't physically and mentally um, can't go back. We have to continue to strive on. And that's our motivation is we have to make uh, this our best effort no matter what, because there are so many people that believe in us. Even though sometimes I don't believe in what I am personally, I have a business partner to hold me accountable and a community that holds me accountable that serves as a, a standard. And so I am every day I wake up with a motivation to just continue to be the best that we can be as a person, but also attributing that to our business that community that also contributes back to our uh, community. Yeah. And, and speaking of community, I know you've done some collaborations, uh, specifically with the awesome Arlie and Tia most recently. And so did you want to talk about sort of why you decided to, to work with them and how you guys have that creative process, what that was like, and then are you doing any future collaborations? We are. So, um, we decided to work with them because they're amazing. I mean, why <laughs> would anyone pass up that opportunity? Um, in short, but yeah, we have a couple collaborations on the way, um, Arlie and Tia and us, we, uh, we have something else kind of coming down the pipeline. So stay tuned for that. Teaser. Um, mm-hmm. Teaser. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. Uh, it is going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be very um, inspirational as well. So, uh, And then we have uh, some uh, brand collaborations that, um, that we're kind of rolling out throughout the summer. Local Bay Spirits, too, uh, highlighting that. And... I don't know, Aaron, what else do we have in the pipeline? Well, you know, I think our very first collaboration was with uh, Chase and Properties, and they kind of challenged us to do something that we actually didn't even think about doing, was um, we created a Black Eyed Susan mix for a lot of their um, uh, residents in their uh, living communities. And so when we did that, it kind of opened up the door to, you know, if we can do this, then what else can we do to, you know, be different, but also to kind of like be a part of the community. Um, You know, there's talks of some, something with a a coffee blender um, and we're thinking about a project with that and how to incorporate that. Um, There's some collaborations and thoughts to being unique uh, expressions, going to unique retailers to collaborate with them. And we, we, we started doing farmer markets probably two weeks ago and yeah, uh, knowing, knowing the man, the myth, the legend, Ezra Allen, he has directly, developed a great relationship with a couple of local farmers to procure some some seasonal produce and so we're going to be taking advantage of those relationships as well so i think you know we talked about our business model what would it be you know when we started out with three core products and then we also talked about you know doing something seasonal one of our seasonals turned into a core product just because simply the demand wouldn't let it go away um and that was the passion fruit we have and that was a great collaboration with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and big shout out to them for being so, so supportive of our endeavor and giving us the opportunity to partner up with them and um, Patron Spirits as well. Thank you very much for that company to uh, continue to do um, due diligence in their community and support 
and my personal endeavors and us as a, a company as well. But later on the line, you know, we're, we're really excited about the possibilities of just collaborating with a lot of people and what opportunities they may become. We don't know exactly what we're going to do, but, you know, we're excited about the opportunities coming up to the point where, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a touch and go process, but hopefully it's really well received. So more, more collabs to come, it sounds like. That's not the end of the road on the that. very long answer of that, yes. <laughs> no, no, I, I love it. Um, I, I wanted to get into this segment. I, I have, I was uh, saying before we got on the podcast, my desk looks like an ad for Kane Collective. It's like <laughs> everything laid out. Thank I've, you very much. I've poured some drinks. That. I took some pictures. I'll send them to you guys. So I wanted to do this segment where we sort of go through your products um, and I I wanted you to say what is your what is your best seller which which one of the mixers just kind of flies off the shelves for you guys it's weird watching the pharmacy markets are kind of cool because you get to watch people's eyes and what they key in on when they read the sun and they talk to you so are they king on the lemon or like oh i like ginger or is it this looks fun and easy or what am i going to mix it with so every week it changes but we would say the top two would be the guava tiki and the, uh, the south side uh with the guava tiki edging it out for uh Yes. I mean, I mean, I completely understand. I, I got that guava tiki from you guys walking down the street in Fells. You were in your car. Uh, you pulled over, <laughs> got it out of your trunk. I've sent you a Venmo. It was like the funniest transaction. But I got home that afternoon and I, that guava tiki didn't make it into the evening. I'm sorry to say it was so good. I think I had just mixed it with, no, I mixed it with rum and a, a squeeze of lime. And that was, that was it. It was, it's so good. I also, I told both of you guys this, I love how it, um, it's, it's puree. So it's, it's got a little texture to it, which I really appreciate in a cocktail. I don't think everything has to be super strained. And I just, I like that it had some body to it and it's delicious. It's beautiful. The color is like, you'd want to like paint all your walls that color. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I love that Thank drink. You. So I can see why it's so popular. We talked about the South side too. I think it's delicious. No, it's funny because that guava tiki is um, something that like was an inspiration just because I have attended a number of tiki conferences, but Ezra and I talked about it. It's like, you know, Don the Beachcomber had his tiki mix, you know, and every, all the great tiki greats had their own specific tiki mix that they kind of hid the uh, ingredients of. And so when we did this cocktail at an event, it literally like, Everybody was like, I've had great drinks, but this is an experience. And so when you get mm. feedback like that, you just have to put that out there just to see and like affirm that like what we heard initially was something that like people could experience. So was that one of the ones that you took from an event and you were like, we have to recreate that? The guava yeah. tiki? Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And with rum, would you say is the probably your preferred way to drink it? Yes. Uh Aaron prefers rum. Um, I prefer that with uh, agave based spirits, Kilo or Mezcal. I'm ecstatic about it being paired with rum as well. I think they're kind of equal and different in the same breath. So it's really a, uh, I don't know, I think it's just like delicious and gulpable. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, as experienced by you, right? Like, gulpable is the right word. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. It's, it's so good. It's funny, it's funny you say that, uh, Jess, because I had uh, somebody tell me recently, they were like, that mix right there is, has made so many bottles in my home just disappear. You oh, know, like just people just said that they just they can't get enough. But I think the other aspect that somebody told me about that mix was 
that it just it made you just close your eyes and feel like you had to put your feet in the sand and you were just transported instantly to a tropical location. And ultimately, I know Ezra takes this as well, is we that's kind of like the direction where we take with a lot of our cocktails. You know, our our cocktails try to emulate a story or a transport to have a destination. Like there's a concept when we create cocktails and hopefully that mix is transported and relays that same message as well as well as does all of our other mixes yeah especially when we can't travel right now like <laughs> i will take that travel via a drink anytime it's I, so good i gotta say and then the most interesting pairing i heard was um uncle val's gin botanical big shout outs to them um huh. and that guava mix they said it was just an amazing experience i haven't tried it yet but, I um, never would have thought to pair that together. And I think oh, we gotta get you a bottle. Yeah, another one. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> if you give me another one, I gotta. Yeah, I'll try to be better this time about rationing. But um, we try to yeah. keep everybody hydrated as much as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so the next one is the happy accident. So, is there a mixer that just turned out differently than you thought, kind of from concept to finished product? I gotta say out of all of them, I think I, we were both surprised by the reaction for the, the passion fruit jalapeno mix. I mean- Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because yes. I have it here. So I'm gonna try this Ooh. one. Okay. I mix this with uh, tequila, tequila. Yeah, I can't remember the brand. Tequila, mezcal, agave, light rum, vodka. So why were you surprised by this one? Honestly, because, okay, so Ezra convinced me to put that out um, and put uh, to help put that out. I initially didn't want to do it at all um, just because I kind of wanted to like have its novelty as um, something that was done in appreciation for the Patron Margarita of the Year. Good. Aaron, it's so good. How could you ever have not wanted to put it out? Just because, you know, it was it was done for the Margarita of the Year um, as a community hustled so hard for our result. Um, for Baltimore to show up fourth in that competition and beat out some major, major cities. Um, and not only was it like fourth, it was a really, really like it was a 0.5% from third that it, we were separated from. And so like, you know, to kind of give it like it's basically it's honored. I just didn't want to bring it back. I, I was like, it lived gloriously. Like there it is. But then he, he's like, no, you need to put that in and people need to experience it. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, I don't know how many people voted. And there was a ton of people that voted for that cocktail that never got to experience that cocktail. So it was a great opportunity for us to kind of like, all right, well, if that's the case, you know, let's give people that supported the cocktail. Yeah. Uh, uh, to actually taste it when we did it with Cinco de Mayo kind of just kind of fell into place and we did it with CFF just because you know that's just a wonderful charity so again we found an aspect to give back to the community but also put uh, a rather special expression out in the market what was it that Cinco de Mayo I think I drove all to like three different states delivering products for cystic fibrosis I went to DC I went to Virginia I went all the way out to Hagerstown came back I mean, I probably left Ezra at 11 o'clock in the morning and came back at nine o'clock at night. And I probably had put like a thousand miles on my car, but it was never worked because you just saw everybody's expression as they received their gift. They were like, they were so excited, but you know, we were just going to let it die with Cinco de Mayo. And Ezra was like, I think we got to do it again. I was like, Ezra is correct. <laughs> I was like, he's like, we got to do it again. Yes, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's <laughs> you can get that on a. I'll I'll send I that. Told him. In a, I'll send that little clip to you on a loop. 
Ezra's yeah, correct. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. You know, I, I told him that it was the most favorite drink I've ever tasted that he made. Out of the hundreds, maybe thousand drinks that we've made in the, together, I told him that was a favorite. So I don't know. I'm 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 glad we released it. I'm just giving no, it. No, this is this is fantastic. I'm sipping it right now. Like I said, just mixed it. I think it's honestly, guys. I think it's like not even great tequila that I mixed it with. It's because it's just what I had in my home bar. But it doesn't even matter because <laughs> it's because it's that good. You don't even need a squeeze of lime in this. I would say it's no, all in there, right? Yeah, it is. It's a complete complete mix. It's but, sweet, it's tart, it's acidic, it's, it's mm -hmm. uh, the mouth feels really nice because of that passion fruit. It's, it's thick, right. it's syrupy, it's so good. Right. And so when we put that out, I mean, there's a whole, the whole inspiration behind it we can go into later, but um, we put it out and then all of a sudden we took it back and like, we were like, oh, we're done. Like two weeks afterwards, we're done, we're done. The response we received about not only it not being available, but how good it was um, and how much people enjoyed it was uh, like, it was unfathomable for me. I, here I am thinking, okay, we'll start and we'll do something else seasonal. We'll move on. And like literally, Ezra can attest to this. People were like, no, what do you mean you don't have it? Like, literally, like what do you mean? Is it ever going to come back? And we were like, no, it was a seasonal something. They're like, no, you don't understand. It has to come back. I had friends emailing me and texting me were like, I need that in my life. Um, <laughs> so, super serious uh, about it. it, 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 got, it no, I literally had to hear a verbal assault from one customer that, and I never told Ezra this, but they, she got me on a text message from a third party that gave her my number and called me up. It was like, you don't understand that passion fruit margarita is, has me drinking tequila again. And like, I haven't drank tequila oh. in 15 years. Wow. You need to go back to a spirit is something special, but not only that, I don't want to leave tequila again. And she's like, and that's the only thing that's going to keep me into tequila. So if you don't bring that back, I'm going to be upset that I have to leave tequila again. It's like a lover. Yeah, she was, doesn't want to leave her. It was, well, it, it, it literally, I was like, oh, uh, uh, I literally had no words for this lady. I, I, you know, of course I was in, in, uh, incredibly apologetic, but the fact that somebody had with you that much effort to express right. their, their appreciation for that mix, I was like, you know what? It didn't like, it was funny. The conversation was, Ezra, I think we're going to keep this on as our, our core uh, fourth. And he was like, I agree. <laughs> and that was it. There you <laughs> and go. that was it. The people have spoken, so Aaron. Now we went from three to four. You yeah. gotta listen. You gotta listen to the. You gotta listen to what your guests want. You know. You gotta listen sometimes to the it's people. Not, it's not about what you want. It's about what the people want. So we yeah. listen, and that is now our fourth expression. And then for the last category, I wanted to see what your personal favorites were, unless we already covered them. But it, I, we haven't really delved too deeply into the tropical green orchard. But anyway, you guys tell me what you think. I'll go first because the tropical green orchard personally <laughs> is my favorite. Out of I knew it was gonna be. I it, knew it, it. It's my it's my baby. I'm 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 very very uh, emotionally attached to that one. And I knew it. I just want to say I called. I was gonna say I bet. But, okay, tell me why you like it so much. The it's the reason is one. I'm a huge tea fan. I think tea 
is a wonderful component, not only by itself, but in cocktails, if used correctly, it has such diverse application. Um, it can be used as a dilution aspect. It can be used as a flavor component. It can be used as a bitter agent. It can be used as somewhat of an acid adjuster. Um, the, the applications are, I think, limitless when it comes to tea and especially qualitative tea. And so when I discovered this wonderful tropical green tea, first of all, never heard of a tropical green tea in my entire life. So you get the herbal notes from the tea, you get those lovely like herbal notes, but then you have some wonderful tropical notes from the coconut, you have some apricots, so you get the fruity aspect, you have some de dehydrated pineapples, so you now got a little bit of acid and tropical aspect. Um, there's peach extract that goes into that tea, and it just, it's such an experience. I had to make a cocktail or at least a mixer. Adding the citrus to it to add it some bright acid. And then ultimately we wanted to, I wanted to bring out something that, you know, kind of complemented all those things. So a Granny Smith apple is bright, it's green, it's, it's got sweet notes, but it's still got some great acid applications as well. And so to make that into a syrup as the sweetener was just something that I felt like, you know, not only added another dimension of flavor, but then also kind of tied everything in together. And if you look at the construction of it and the format of it, it actually is built on a toddy recipe. I was just going to say, it's like a cold toddy. We're, exactly. We have the same brain today. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's so it's so good. Yeah, and I think what's really nice about it is I get the um I get the apricot coming through like you were talking about. And that's I think that's what makes it go so well with the whiskey. Right. right. Having that citrus with the whiskey is so good. Right. And so when you start when you start thinking about like barrel aged spirits like whiskeys, rice, bourbons, things of that nature, um, there's many components that they each individually offer. But you got to figure that those baking spices, those caramel notes, those like vanilla notes and all of those things just add a little bit more depth and kind of like our contrast to what you're drinking naturally with that expression. So I think, you know, it just kind of adds, a, again, another layer and complexity to um, a cocktail. But again, that mix lends itself to so many things. And I think the recent discovery um, that was made from one of our retailers um, at the corner pantry, they discovered that it was a great mimosa mix. Oh, that's interesting. And so, you know, yeah. I think that's, I think that's what's like, that's the great thing about like all of the mixers is we have a suggestive way you're supposed to use them, but by no means is it's putting anybody in a box. Well, thank you guys. Before we go, tell everyone where, where they can get King Collective, where they can buy it, where they can come see you with masks on um, and how they can follow you guys. So you can find us online at canecollective.com. Um, you can have all of our mixtures there. Uh, we're pretty active on Instagram. So you can find us there at cane underscore collective. And uh, in terms of uh, retail locations, uh, we're, at, we're at the Catonsville Farmer's Market on Sunday and on Saturdays we're in the Bells Point Farmer's Market. And we kind of like do pop-ups and events around the city. So usually put those out on social media. But you can find us every weekend at one of those two locations. And you can always get us online. And then also we want to definitely point out that we have some great retail partners now. And then we will have, we have more coming up in the near future. You can pick up expressions of Kane at Corner Pantry whenever they get done with their renovation. Um, 
We can't wait for their their new look and to celebrate their expansion. Always love to and appreciate the the help that Arena and team at Alma has given us. Um, it, they truly are a family to us at this point, and you can pick them up on their takeout uh, menu as well. Um, our good friends at Mr. Nice Guy Cocktails been big fans of us since the beginning and they have continued to support it so you can pick those up at those I missed tonight's guy cocktails and if you live within the vicinity they will actually deliver to you so for those that don't want to actually take that adventure and have that experience brought to your house you can use their services as well and then we have a great partnership with uh online spirits um so the product will be available at online and actually we will be sharing a tent this upcoming week with them again so at, um, at fell's point at Fells Point and Catonsville. And Catonsville. Awesome. That's what great partners. You're in good company with all those, all those wonderful people. Yeah, we're, uh, we're blessed. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the city and the community has been incredibly supportive and we just look forward to, you know, uh, growing as much as possible in the support that we are giving and taking that and, you know, harnessing it and, putting our best foot forward, but also supporting those that support us. Well, I can't wait to see what you guys do next. I know it's going to be delicious and creative and colorful and just, I can't wait. And thank you guys so much for your time today. It's always, you know, I've known you for years, but it's always good to catch up and yeah, you guys do yourself. If you haven't tried it yet, go try cane. It's so good. It goes with everything. We'll transport you to a beach. We could all be there right now. And yeah. Thank you guys for coming on the show. Yes. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Jess, for having us.